Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Story time. I am Ashki, a Navajo Park Ranger working in your How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. ACAST anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 
Yosemite National Park. I've always had a deep love and connection to the land, and I feel honored to be able to protect it every day. My job can be challenging at times, but it's also incredibly rewarding. One day, I received a distress call from a hiker who was lost in the deep woods of Yosemite. I immediately set out to find the hiker, hoping to bring them to safety before nightfall. As I made my way through the dense forest, I couldn't shake the feeling that something was following me. The hairs on the back of my neck stood on end, and I couldn't help but feel like I was being watched. Suddenly, I heard a low growl coming from the trees. I turned to face the source of the sound and was met with the most terrifying creature I had ever seen. It was tall, with dark fur, glowing red eyes, and wings that seemed to stretch on forever. I recognized it as the Mothman, a creature that was said to bring death and destruction wherever it went. I tried to run, but the Mothman was too fast. It swooped down, striking me with its powerful claws and knocking me to the ground. I was gravely injured, but I managed to crawl into a nearby cabin in the woods. Inside the cabin, I met a woman named Maria. She was kind and caring, and she tended to my wounds. Over the course of several days, we grew closer and I found myself falling in love with her. However, I soon learned that Maria was not who she appeared to be. On one occasion I noticed that her eyes glow when I speak about the monster. Also, in one of the drawers in her cabin, I found black feathers. WTF? When I confronted her, she smiled, revealing that she was working for the benefit of Mothman. She was like a cultist, adored this flying creature. I ran from cabin, once outside the Mothman returned. Intent on finishing the job it had started. I was badly injured, but I refused to give up. I fought back with everything I had, using my knowledge of the land to outsmart the creature. But once I depleted my energy, I'd just fallen on the ground. After I awaken, everything disappeared. I never learned what became of Maria or the Mothman. I like to believe that I was able to defeat the creature and save others from its wrath, but I can never be sure. The memory of those dark days in the woods still haunts me, and the fate of the Mothman remains a mystery. A few years back my girlfriend and I, having hiked several other parts of the Appalachian Trail, decided we wanted to give the southern portion of Virginia's trail a shot. It is about 166 miles long and runs through George Washington and Jefferson National Forests from Roanoke County to Parisburg in Giles County. This is defiantly one of the more remote and less traveled parts of the trail. Which is exactly what we were looking for. We gathered our gear and made our way to the start of the Virginia Creeper Trail to begin our journey. We had planned our journey to end at Damascus and figured that by the time we got there we would be more than ready to get home to our own beds. It was early October and the changing of the leaves and colors were amazing. The air was crisp and cool. Perfect hiking weather with beautiful scenery. The majority of the trip was pretty uneventful. Just your typical hike. But, our last couple of nights is where things got weird. On this portion of the trail, you are supposed to camp on the trail or a designated shelter. We didn't really want to run into other people and didn't want anyone coming up on us in the middle of the night. We decided to ignore those suggestions and find our own little spot off the trail. 
a little searching around and we found a spot a little ways off the trail in the middle of a small clearing. It was perfect. We set up camp, cooked some food, talked for a while then snuggled up and went to sleep for the night. Somewhere around 2 am I was awoke by my girlfriend shaking me awake telling me get your gun. Someone is outside walking around our tent. She informed me that she woke up to what sounded like someone right outside the tent running a knife or something along the side while circling us. When hiking I carry an M1911 and a judge with me. You never know exactly who or what you might run into when on such a long hike in a remote location. I got the judge out of my pack and then we sat silently listening for any sounds. A few minutes of nothing but the breeze blowing through the trees and then I heard it. Snap crunch snap. Someone. Or something walking in the woods behind our tent. I got the flashlight and silently made my way out of the tent. Our fire had went out so it was nearly pitch black. Illuminated by only the dim glow of the October moon. I told my girlfriend to stay put while I checked it out. I didn't flick the flashlight on right away so as to not give away that I was out of the tent and have it become a shining beacon of my location. Instead, I waited to hear more noises. After a few minutes snap crunch crack. It sounded like it was bipedal based on the way the steps were paced. I turned on the flashlight and flooded the area with light. I thought I saw someone move behind a tree. I yelled out and told them to go away and that I was armed. I kept the light on the area with my gun drawn and slowly approached towards the area where I thought I saw the figure. Then, from my right I hear what sounds like someone running away through the woods. I spin and face my light that way, and then from the original spot here who or whatever was there take off into the woods. There's no way I'm giving chase, so I return to the campsite. I tell my girlfriend about what happened and I end up sitting guard outside the tent, in the darkness until daybreak. In the morning, I looked around a bit for signs of who or whatever it was and I discovered a boot print in some soft moist dirt not far from our tent. It wasn't mine and it wasn't my girl's. This freaked me out as it confirmed that someone, perhaps more than one, was skulking around our tent in the dark. I kept it to myself because I didn't want to freak my girl out any more than she already was. At this point we were pretty deep in and still had two days left. That day we walked a little faster than normal and covered as much ground as possible. When it came time to set up camp, I found a spot near a cliff where we could place the tent in a small overhang and prevent anyone from coming up behind us. The whole day up to this point I had a feeling we were being followed. I had no confirmation of this as I hadn't seen or heard anyone else, but it was just a gut feeling. We set up camp and made some food, then retreated to the tent. I gave my girl the M1911 and I kept the judge right next to me and I assured her that if I slept at all, it would be with one eye open. After a while, she drifted off to sleep and I stayed awake listening to the sounds of the woods at night. I was awake for a few hours, just waiting to see if anything was going to happen. At some point I guess my exhaustion caught up with me and I drifted off. I awoke sometime later to what sounded like someone going through our stuff outside the tent. I grabbed my gun and woke my girlfriend shushing her to be quiet. From the faint glow of the fire I could see someone's silhouette against the tent. There was really someone out there. I yelled out to them something along the lines of we are armed, get the f out of here. 
They dropped what they were doing and bolted. I came out of the tent, gun drawn and ready to shoot someone. Our stuff was strewn all about. They had rummaged through quite a bit of our stuff. I walked to the edge of the woods in the direction whoever was out there had fled. There was a creek nearby and I walked to the edge, where there was a small trail running alongside it. Down the creek I could see a light, it looked like a lantern the way it flickered. Then I saw three more emerge from the other side of the woods. I told my girlfriend to start packing up whatever she could and that we were leaving, now. We packed up everything of value. Left the tent and a few other items and headed back onto the trail, in the middle of the night. I kept hearing people talking off in the woods and hearing branches snap for quite some ways. I kept looking behind us every few seconds to make sure nobody was coming up on us. It was completely nerve-wracking. If something happened, we were still a long ways from anywhere and quite literally on our own, since we hadn't seen another hiker the entire time we had been out there. I really felt we were in serious danger. We had been walking for quite some time when I heard something in the woods behind us. As we rounded a corner I turned around and saw someone step out onto the trail and just stand there watching us. It was just as the sun was coming up and barely any light, I couldn't make out any features. Just the silhouette. I stopped and looked at them for a second and asked them who they were and what they wanted, they just stood there silently, watching us and then turned and walked back into the woods. We picked up the pace and kept going, looking back every so often. We didn't see them again. But my gut told me they were still there for quite a ways. We eventually reached the end of the trail and got to where we had parked my girlfriend's car, extremely exhausted. We made it out of the Virginia woods without becoming a meal for a clan of cannibalistic inbred hillbillies, which is what I pictured happening in my head the whole time. I have no idea who they were, or what they wanted. Maybe it was someone just messing with us? Maybe it really was a clan of deformed hillbillies who were hunting us. I will never know, because I will not be returning to find out. I was in my last year before retiring from the army and was going through a divorce. My soon-to-be ex went back to Texas with my two girls, and I planned to move closer to them once my retirement was official. I rented a small two-bedroom in Tennessee in a town called Indian Mound. Indian Mound was out of the way and really isolated. My commute sucked, but it was cheap and peaceful. I had no neighbors, across the street was all conservation land for miles. On one side and around the back of the property was a swamp, on the other side, the closest house was out of shouting distance. I enjoyed living there initially. Before this, I lived in the suburbs, and all the noise, people, and traffic drove me crazy. One night I came home around 1 in the morning from a concert in Nashville. It was early spring, and it was somewhat foggy out. The driveway dipped down, and the house was about an eighth mile from the road. As I pulled in, I saw a huge black dog standing in the front yard, looked like a black lab or lab mixed breed. It stood with its head up, and its tail straight up. It was fixed on me. I slowly pulled my car up, unsure what to do next, when it turned and ran into the swamp. I didn't think much of it and went inside. Over the following few months, things started happening at night. I would always wake up around 3 or so in the morning, 
thinking I heard voices outside my window, and sometimes it sounded like someone, or a couple of people were whispering to each other, but I couldn't understand what they were saying. Sometimes I would hear footsteps and movement outside. I thought it was maybe a deer or that dog, but when I looked out, I saw nothing. This type of shit continued for months. One night I woke up to a noise and saw it was 2.57, a bright white light shone through the porch glass doors. I ran out into the kitchen and looked through the small sink window, and it looked like someone was out in the swamp shining a spotlight. It was one of those high-powered lights used in search and rescue. It was blinding and lit up the whole kitchen. I opened the back doors and ran out onto the porch, yelling I was calling the cops. The light went out, and I heard someone moving away from the house through the swamp. Cops came out and took a report and told me to ensure my doors were locked and to call if anything else happened. I was hyper-vigilant for the next few days. I checked behind me when I was coming and going and always slept with the shades drawn and doors locked. The footsteps around the house continued, and some nights, I thought I could hear a dog panting outside my window, although I never found tracks or saw signs of an animal in the morning. Things died down after a while, and I was about three months away from the end of my lease. I woke up around three in the morning, scared out of my mind. I was sleeping and heard a woman calling my name in my dream. I opened my eyes and realized it was a dream when I heard the voice call my name again, clear as day. I shot up out of bed and turned on the lights. I checked in the closet and under the bed. I opened the bedroom door and listened out in the hallway. I couldn't hear anything and was about to cut the lights and go back to bed when someone started pounding on my front door. I nearly jumped out of my skin. It was like someone was bashing the door with a sledgehammer. I yelled out that I had a gun and to get the F off my property. I said I called the cops, and I'll blow your head off before they get here. The pounding stopped. Cops came out again and took another report. There was no visible damage to the door or footprints around the property. It all just stopped after that. I did buy a 9mm, but the rest of my time renting there was without incident. I'm back in Texas, in an apartment complex in the Burbs, and I don't mind. The backwoods of Tennessee were a creepy place. I'm from South Jersey and spend a lot of time in the Pine Barrens camping, hiking, off-roading in my Jeep. I started spending more time at Brendan T. Burns State Forest over the last few years because of the off-road trails. There's a lake called Packham Pond along one of the main roads in the park and it's a great place to go and park to look up at the stars. Something of note, is that this state forest is very close, approximately 15 miles, from Joint Base McGuire Fort Dix. To get right to it, I've seen strange, unexplainable lights in the trees in different areas of the forest. The first few times were while parked at Packham Pond and stargazing. I noticed small lights that would sometimes flicker or stay stationary just below the tree line. Easily mistakable for stars, I didn't think much of it until I realized that during the daytime, the tree line was high enough that Therese no way I could have been seeing stars through the thick foliage slash tree line. I brought my wife with me the next time specifically to try to show her these strange lights and sure enough they were there. Not in the same spots, they seemingly move. 
two years later and I just went camping on Thanksgiving Eve with my old friend and the park was pretty much empty because it was 30 degrees. All night long I could see the lights in the trees, below the tree line. They perplex me. I have no clue what they are. I can't find anything online about this so I think I need to do my own investigation. I don't know what to think of them except possibly some sort of light being or fairies. That sounds ridiculous to say but they seem paranormal in nature. Anyone have any ideas about what these are? Anyone have a similar experience in the Pine Barrens or anywhere else? Locational Context I live on a farm on the side of a mountain in the middle of nowhere in British Columbia's interior. No cell service, neighbors are beyond shouting distance, a very on your own lifestyle out here. My trailer is at the top of this property next to a barn, surrounded 360 with forest except for the little road up here. The mountain Mount Ida has a long history with the aboriginal people of my area, I've been told stories of the mountain since I was a kid. Basically the summary of every story is people are banished from the mountain because the spirits make it too dangerous. All sorts of weird things have been seen and have happened on this mountain. Last night, around 10.45 pm I heard three sets of sirens rush by the road. Out here you never hear sirens. In my accumulated 15 years here I've heard one siren and it was earlier this week. Basically it just intrigued me at that point. Wasn't until about half hour later or so and my power cuts out. I'm already in bed at this point, lights were out, only way I actually noticed was because I had no Wi-Fi. Now that's always a heart stopper, cause out here no Wi-Fi means I'm entirely on my own. This makes me anxious for sure but I'm more worried that I won't be able to call the fire department if something catches on fire than anything. Then out of nowhere I hear this super sharp and loud cry, like a kid who just crashed on a bike. Hysterical crying from what sounds to be a young child. My dogs are going absolutely nuts at the door. Now if you're familiar with cougars slash ml you should know that they can often mimic a child crying, and scary accurately too. So laying there as the tension builds I'm just telling myself it's a cougar, that's all it is, just a cougar. For me that's the best case scenario right now, that it's just a cougar. Dogs have finally calmed down and I'm still just trying to get some shut eye when I hear the second sound. This was an ungodly sound that I've never heard in my life. This one sounded like a mix of every horror movie monster all in one. I can't even describe it. It was about 5 seconds of pure screeching, like a demonic banshee with the vocal cords of a T-Rex. The bass to it shook my bed. It was as if there was a concert-sized sound system hiding in the forest blasting zombie vomit. I could taste my heartbeat at this point. My dogs are acting like rabies-ridden pit bulls towards the door, snarling and growling like whatever just screamed was on the other side of the door. I didn't know what to do at that point, couldn't call or get in contact with anyone. Lights are all off, I'm just laying there in the dark, utterly and completely scared. I was not about to get up and go investigate, it's the middle of winter of course too. I just laid there checking my phone every 30 seconds seeing if the Wi-Fi came back. Nothing else came after though, just ended up falling asleep at some point. As of this morning everything is back to normal. Nothing creepy going on, power's back on.
made a post in the local FB group, nobody else in the area heard anything and only a few lost power as well as me. So take it as you will. Cougar in heat? Bigfoot coming out of hibernation? Thousand-year-old native ghost trying to get me off his land? I'm not a very paranormal guy, and I have no idea what it could have been at this point. Would love to hear your thoughts, ideas, or questions. From 2013 to 2019 I worked in outdoor education at many different summer camps and outdoor education centers in Canada, mostly Ontario but I did spend a season in the Rocky Mountains. Having grown up going to sleepaway camp and eventually participating in month-long leadership programs with backcountry canoeing components, I was well prepared to lead a group of teen girls from a camp in Georgian Bay on a two-week camping trip in the Temagami region during my first year as a counselor. The Temagami region is located between North Bay, Sudbury, and Timmins, Ontario. This region is home to many provincial parks, wonderful hiking and canoeing routes, and the Bear Island Indian Reserve. Our route was fairly typical in beginning the Whitefish Falls region, ending at Highway 11 after 14 days of paddling, portaging, hiking, and campfire making. We had a satellite phone to check in with our camp director every day, and in case of an emergency, we also had multiple exit points along the route. Until our second to last night, we were having fun and a relatively uneventful time, besides some mild dehydration and the usual bumps and bruises. Near the end of our trip, we were doing some free camping on the shore of an uninhabited island in Bear Lake that is recognized as part of the Bear Island Indian Reserve. It's a beautiful area and we were across from the main island that the majority of the 250-person population inhabits. We had put out the fire and gone to bed when about an hour after falling asleep I was jarred awake by the sound of a loud motorboat. Obviously this isn't that weird because it's a large lake and many people use boats to reach the mainland or their homes on secluded islands, however, it was around 11pm and things had been quiet for the last few hours. The motor could cut out and I could clearly hear the sounds of an argument. It sounded like at least one man and a woman and they were very angry and yelling at each other, although I couldn't hear anything specific because they were too far offshore. Suddenly, the woman screamed and I heard a splash into the water, and then complete silence. At this point, I was pretty freaked out and hoping to God that my girls hadn't woken up. But I wasn't that lucky because I could immediately hear talking from their tent and could tell they were scared. I was about to unzip my door and look out to see if maybe the boaters had had an accident or something when my whole tent lit up. The light slowly panned across me and onto the tent my girls were in that immediately made them quiet. In a normal volume, I was able to tell them to stay absolutely still. The light panned back to my tent and then over to theirs again. I can only guess that it must have been some sort of boat with a searchlight on it. If anyone has any ideas of what that type of boat could be, let me know. After an eternity that was really only about 5 minutes, the light was turned off and I heard the motor engage and fade as the boat drove away from us. I immediately found the satellite phone and called our camp director who gave us the phone number for the local police. I called them and they said they would forward the information I gave to the local native detachment on Bear Island. 
I don't think any of us slept that night and I got up at 5am to take my canoe out and take a look around. I thought maybe someone had fallen overboard and had managed to swim to shore. Obviously I didn't find anyone and there was nothing floating in the water either, although it is a pretty deep body of water. None of us wanted to camp one more night so I called the camp and had them head out to the pickup point a day early. We paddled like hell and didn't really talk much. I think none of us really wanted to speculate about what we might have heard and what would have happened if we'd made noise or moved when that light was on our tents. I've thought about this a lot over the years but whenever I've told people the story they've been quite skeptical. I recently started looking into missing person cases in the area but without much luck. If anyone reading this is familiar with indigenous issues in Canada though, there is an epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous women, and these cases usually go unreported or unsolved. Before we can begin I need to tell you about the man in question otherwise it won't make that much sense. This man is a decorated war vet with two tours one in Iraq and one in Afghanistan. He also murdered a man by strangeling him to death in a wrestling match. So by no means a normal human being this man in particular was driving freight through LBL he had to take out of state. It was dusk with the sun starting to go under the horizon but still enough light to see things. The man had been driving for about 7 hours and was pretty sleepy. When out of nowhere he heard the potter patter of heavy footsteps outside his window. It was then a giant wolf head filled up the entire window of his truck. The dogman gave the dogman a big smile in an attempt to intimidate him totally unfazed by the huge wolf creature he calmly reaching into his glove compartment and pulled out a Taurus Judge pistol. Which is a shit gun revolver he used for self-defense. He put the gun about half a foot from the thing's cranium. The dogman eyes widened as he gave him a oh shit I screwed up. If he had given him a half a second more he might have escaped but the vet immediately pulled the trigger. The man said he saw grey matter spray out of the back of the thing's head as the dog man dropped like a sack of potatoes. The man looked in his mirror to see another dog man dragging the first one off. I grew up out in the wooded country in Illinois, on a short dead-end street 10 plus miles from a town and there were seven houses in the area spread out on 2.5 acre wooded lots or larger each. There were no large wild animals, there aren't bears or similarly large animals in the region, and people didn't meander there or show up lost. Actually lost folks or large animals wandering around never happened in the 20 years I lived there. So please keep that in mind. When I was a young girl in my early teens, I had a good guy friend a few years older than me who lived next door, Terry. Terry was allowed to go out with his friends much later than I was and he would sometimes tromp over to my yard after getting home late and throw rocks from the gravel area outside at my window to chat. My bed was right next to the window. I'd open the window and we'd whisper stories and generally talk for a bit. My second story window faced our backyard and his house was to the side. I could see his house from my window over the shrub trees and walking path to his driveway. I'd often know if he was out, the light was on over the side door entrance, or already home, light was off. One time during the summer when my window was open I heard a car in his driveway dropping him off. 
I was probably 14 years old and it was around midnight. I heard Terry get out of a car and was talking to his friends. Soon his friends pulled away. I softly called out, as loud as I could without waking my parents, asking Terry to stop by and chat. He didn't respond as he probably didn't hear me. Then I came up with the not-so-brilliant idea to sneak outside and scare him. I'd spent many years in the woods and learning how to blend in and be silent. As kids we'd often sneak around and scare each other. So I silently sneaked down from the second floor and out my back garage door which led to our backyard below my window which led to Terry's house off the side through our gravel area then through a well-worn path through the woods about 25 feet long. My parents had put in a gravel pit around the back of the house probably because nothing much grew due to the shade of the oak trees. There were 14-inch oak rounds set out as an uneven stepping path in the gravel and if you stepped off of the rounds the crunch of gravel slash rocks would give you away. I picked my way expertly and silently across the log rounds facing Terry's house. My eyes got accustomed to the dark and I didn't see him. Also at that time I heard the door of his house close and the light going off signaling he went in, likely to bed. I waited a bit as I thought I saw something move in the woods between our houses but not on the path we'd always use. If you didn't use the path there were wild rose and raspberry plants that had thorns and were painful to walk through if you weren't careful. So I thought it was odd that he'd be in the woods but maybe he wanted to scare me like I was plotting to do to him. But I saw something human-sized and dark moving though the woods slow and pausing every once in a while like me. It was coming closer and I definitely saw it but it was strange in that it wasn't walking directly to my window to talk. Therefore I hunched down and waited in silence wondering if I could still startle him. I still thought it was Terry and he saw me sneak out and he was trying to scare me. I watched a dark outline of a human figure moving, but then I would lose sight of it in the foliage. It seemed to be stalking slowly and listening slash checking every few feet while hiding. So I whispered after losing patience one last time for Terry but he didn't answer. I got bored of hiding and crouching so I quietly, tippy-toed back to my garage door and went back inside silently locking up as I went. I snuck back upstairs to my room above the area where I was just standing slash crouching. My window was open and I definitely heard someone slash something walking around the yard. I whispered again for Terry out my window but got no answer. Then I heard someone slash something fall and grunt slash moan pretty loudly in the window well right below my window. It wasn't enough to wake my parents but definitely loud enough I didn't mistake it and it sent a shock of fear through me. If you aren't familiar with a window well, it's a semicircle hole connected to the house dug out about 3 or 4 feet deep and reinforced with metal. It allows a basement window to be put in below ground level and the hole lets some natural light in. There is no way Terry would have fallen in our window well. We had been playing hide and seek and many outdoor games for years since we were young around the whole neighborhood. We knew everyone's window wells and house footprints, plus paths in the woods, like the back of our hands. The grunt sounded humanish and not like an animal. It also pulled itself out quietly without a lot of thrashing. That's when I realized this wasn't a fun game and someone slash something was out there and it wasn't Terry. 
I tried to look outside my window as best I could but there was a screen on my windows to keep the bugs out so I couldn't lean my head out the window to see next to the wall of our house directly below me. I then heard the crunch of rocks as whatever it was stepping in the noisy gravel. Again Terry would know where the log rounds were and would not step in the gravel. He knew my parents were pretty strict and he was as good at being quiet as I was. Whatever it was stopped and I held my breath. I pretty much sat there with my face pressed against the screen two stories up for probably a half hour, it seemed like an hour but I'm sure I didn't have patience back then to wait that long. I never heard it slash him slash her leave but I grew tired and eventually fell asleep on my bed that was next to the window. There are a few things I'm certain of, it wasn't Terry. I asked him later and he said he went to bed that night when he got home. He also would have no reason to lie. I'm pretty sure it wasn't one of our neighbors and I can't think of any reason a person would be there. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Mogentarder. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrædder af alle de der podcaster, forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige When morning came we saw that there was no prince in the snow or any trace of an animal. What could it have been? This story comes from a good buddy of mine goes by the name of DDoS maybe you have heard of him. Regardless part of Navy SEAL training is wilderness survival just in case they need to survive somewhere for a good time before they get repocked up. Said seal in question was dropped of an LBL and told to survive a week. The seal poked around and surveyed his surroundings. He was in a small clearing with extremely thick woods in front of him. Then out of the dense woods came entity that defied imagination. It was a Caucasian man about six feet two but totally naked. The thing had no genitalia whatsoever. It also had no face like fabric stretched over a softball. What's funny is those woods were so thick it would be impossible for any human being to get through them. But this thing made it through no problem. The woods were about 30 yards in front of him. He pulled out his AR and mag dumped 30 rounds into this thing right in the middle of the chest, center mass. However no blood or viscera came out the bullets just seeming passed through it. 
Its skin looked like ripped paper instead of normal skin. The monster was walking towards him when it was 10 yards away and after he was out of ammo he threw down his rifle and pulled out his sidearm. He managed to get only 7 bullets through the humanoid's brain before the monster reached him. It was then the two of them got in wrestling match. The monster was extremely strong but not to the point a human could not fight back. However a normal person not in peak physical condition would not stand a chance. The man that told DDoS the story said he wrestled this thing for 3 hours. However DDoS does not believe it. Regardless after 3 hours the two of them were about 5 feet away from one another and breathing extremely hard both of them totally exhausted. The thing's chest rose and fell like a normal person despite the face it had no mouth. Its body was also covered in sweat. The monster backpedaled one step at a time the seal could tell it was glaring at him and seemed very angry. Even though it had no face he could somehow tell it seemed upset. The monster backed into the deep brush where it came from originally and disappeared never to be seen again. I honestly think this monster was not expecting its victim to fight as ferociously as the seal did. If the man had not been as ridiculous fit as he was I am thoroughly convinced he would have died. Fortunately when it comes to fitness you would be hard pressed to find someone better shaped than a seal. So I guess there are two lessons to be learned from this tale. A there is more weird unexplainable things in the woods than you could ever shake a stick at. Navy seals are badass. This was about 4 or 5-ish years ago, back then I lived with my mother in a shed on a farm surrounded by woodland. Our farmland was part of a larger piece of farmland that was split up and sold off, so we did have neighbors, though they were roughly half a kilometer away each, we loved that cause of the privacy, it wasn't like there was nobody nearby I couldn't go to if I needed help. That thought is what had me fearlessly walking alone at night between the hours of 7-8 pm sometimes fluctuating from earlier to later depending on the day. Sometimes I even went out on a walk at 2 am in the morning because I was restless and couldn't sleep. Looking back, this was incredibly stupid and after this incident I never walked after 6 pm ever again, always making sure there was at least some sunlight left when I set out. The route I always took was a road circuit. The first part was out in the open in front of all the other farms including my own. If anything had happened at least one person would have noticed and reception was pretty good so I would have also been able to call someone. The second half on the other hand was concealed by about 200 meters of woods between the farms and the back road, stretching the full 2 kilometers at the back of the farm and it was during that part of the walk when I had this creepy encounter. It was late at night. I can't remember what time exactly, but it was pitch black with the exception of my torch light, I was about to approach the turn in the loop that would bring me out into the open again when I heard it, help. It was this monotone voice that repeatedly asked for help, it didn't seem panicked in the least. I took my headphones out and turned my music off to make sure I was hearing correctly, but it didn't stop. Help. Help. A very stupid part of me almost responded. Because for some reason my first instinct was oh no someone's in trouble like a naive kid even though I would have been like 16 or 17 at the time. Of course then my brain kicked in and I realized that approaching that voice was just about the stupidest thing I could do, so I started quietly backing away. 
Unfortunately my cat had followed me on the walk and wasn't backing away with me, no, she was walking towards the voice, softly hissing. I remember desperately trying to get her to come back towards me without alerting the voice to my presence just in case they hadn't noticed me yet, but I was getting scared and didn't want to stay there a moment more so I ran forwards and grabbed her, then turned around and bolted back towards my house. I don't know if it was stupid of me to turn my back to the voice as I was making so much noise while running that there was no way they didn't know I was there and I had no way of knowing if they were giving chase. I was so terrified that whole time, the image of someone cloaked in shadows chasing me entered my mind and even though I couldn't hear anyone behind me, I never once slowed down until I was back safe and sound within my house. It doesn't end there though. Despite how terrifying it was, there was still a part of me that was concerned about whoever it was, because what if they really had needed help? So I asked my mother to drive us to the location, another very stupid decision considering what we found, that being nothing, we called out and called out, but nobody answered. We didn't get out of our car though, luckily neither of us were that stupid. We drove home, having seen nothing and no one. But it still bothered me in the morning so I had my mother drive us over again and we searched the immediate area. Nothing, no indication that anyone had been there, there was no body which admittedly was a drastic thing to search for, but I know shock can leave you eerily calm which could have explained the monotone voice and the lack of response afterwards made me fear that we'd been too late and we'd find a body in the morning, I don't know if I would have preferred this outcome, cause at least then I would have had a face to the voice. But no, we found absolutely nothing and to this day I have no idea who that voice belonged to and why they were monotonously calling out for help. My mind has naturally come to some chilling conclusions and theories that leave me unable to sleep, rapist, kidnapper, serial killer, all the classic horror stories, but I guess I'll never really know for sure. What I am about to describe will sound like a cheap-ass cliché movie script. But this did indeed happen. Even at home barely anybody believes me without confirmation from the other parties involved. Buckle up, it's a long haul. Autumn 2019 in British Columbia, Canada. I am from Germany, but spent half a year in Canada as part of my bachelor's degree. I barely got back before sea hit. I was 22 years old at the time and the other people involved were about the same age. Another foreign student and I befriended this local Canadian student. We all had the same interests and humor, and the dude became a very good friend of ours. He told us all about the local area and we spent a week in the summer with him and his father at their very remote, remember this, cabin near some woods. They taught us how to handle guns there and let us shoot a lot, ammo is expensive as f. Then fall came and we had a lot of free time due to being finished with all our papers. So our buddy proposed that we spend a few days at his dad's cabin, this time without his father. We went hell yay because we could load up on booze and weed and have a great time there. Just living the life. Three close dudes in the woods gaming and getting wasted. Sound great right? After loading up on all the supplies, the first three days were very calm. On the first day, just like the last time I was there, I barely slept and was generally tense. This is because I am a naturally very paranoid guy, 
and I often go into alert mode in situations which is often mocked by my friends. In this case what freaked me out the most was the fact that we were far away from civilization. And you never understand how quiet your surroundings can be, until you spent some time in a remote area like this. Which led to me often just standing in the dark at night, listening to the surroundings of the cabin. But after the first few days I got less paranoid. After all I was with friends, was constantly high, and we were quite armed and dangerous, probably most dangerous to ourselves though. Day 4 came. We spent the day, attempting, to hunt in the woods. Mostly just chilling under trees with a beer and rifle in hand. But in the evening it started to rain heavily. After an hour we were starting to see lightning in the distance, with quite a bit of time passing between lightning and thunder, which meant the thunderstorm itself was still some time away. So we aborted our incompetent hunting attempts and started trekking back to the cabin. It took us about an hour to reach it, due to his already being very dark and the rain creating unsafe footing. For context you should know that once you spent a few days in the wilderness and haven't seen a soul other than your friends for days, you can become quite careless about your surroundings. I think you can imagine why I'm telling you that last part. So we enter the cabin. At that time the thunderstorm was raging full on. We put away our gear and changed clothes. Except for our guns. Yeah I know, drugs and guns are a horrible combination and I wouldn't mix that shit nowadays, but we were drilled quite well by Canadian friend's dad regarding trigger discipline, safety etc. And man I really miss spooning a rifle while sleeping. We cozied down in the living room at a table, started a YouTube video and began playing cards. Barely 20 minutes passed since we returned. And at the time, we didn't bother closing the curtains in the living room, because thunderstorms are baller AF. So imagine that we were three guys, sitting around a table, occasionally in awe at the weather outside while playing cards. In such a remote place, it is extremely dark outside. Without a full moon and clear skies, it is pitch black. The only lamps we have are old ass vintage looking, and dimmer than my phone screen. What comes next is how my also non-local friend has described what he saw. While sipping from his beer, another lightning went off. He spit it out instantly after the lightning came and screamed loudly and stood up. No words, just the sound of panic. My Canadian friend and I were instantly perplexed and looked at him. There is somebody outside. He started rambling about how in that split second the lightning illuminated the outside of the cabin, he saw a person standing a bit of distance away from the cabin, looking directly at us. Now this is what I meant when I said cliché horror story. And barely anybody believes me at first. But this did happen. My non-local friend is obviously in full-on panic. His face looks anxious. This communicated to our Canadian buddy and me, that this guy wasn't just messing with us. He did see somebody outside. I grabbed my rifle and pulled the bolt to rack around into the chamber. I feel that warm sensation running down my spine of my body releasing adrenaline. I tried to stay far away from the window, stare into the darkness outside, but I can't see anything. While our Canadian friend rushed into his room to grab his pistol, I start panicking even more because I realize we didn't lock the door. Why would we? We haven't seen anyone in days and are in the middle of wilderness. 
So I run to the door and lock it. Our friend returns with his pistol, which he grabbed because there was a flashlight attached to it. He carefully approached the window, then changed his pace from sneaky to fast and pushed the window open with one hand, while the other hand was aiming the handgun outside. I wish I was any good at drawing. Because what we saw next when our friend turned on the flashlight was the most terrifying image I have ever seen. It is burned into my mind. The fact that I cannot share that image with other people has been bugging me for three years now. The light turns on. What we saw in that moment was a man, tall and slim, dressed in all black, with a hooded raincoat which he has pulled over his head, almost covering his eyes. But not far away from the cabin, just a few steps away from the window. Not standing as our friend yelled earlier, but crouching. Looking directly at us with clenched eyes and a terrifying little smirk on one side of his mouth. Another lightning flashes, and for that moment we were all frozen. The image of what we saw must have shocked the other guys as much as it did me, because nobody said anything for a few seconds. There is a hard to explain dreadful feeling about seeing something like this. In a storm, in the middle of nowhere, a person dressed in a black raincoat is suddenly crouching so close to you. And facing you. Our Canadian buddy, was aiming his pistol plus attached flashlight at the also frozen crouched smirking man and just yelled out, with a slight stutter and a higher pitched voice than I've ever heard from him. Gee get the F away from us or we will shoot. I guess at that moment after his eyes adjusted, the raincoat man realized that this was not just a flashlight, but a gun. And I was standing next to my friend with a hunting rifle in my arm. Raincoat man's slight smirk changed to something where I am unsure if it was shock, or rage. All this was happening in less than a minute. While my friend kept on yelling, and I was just frozen, the raincoat figure turned by about 90 degrees towards the nearest tree line, and went from crouch to full sprint quickly. He ran away to the right side of our window. Two of us poked their head out of the window to see where exactly he was going, but with the heavy rainfall and darkness we could barely make out anything in the distance of that tree line. After a few minutes of just looking at each other in disbelief, we decided to pop off a few rounds outside the window, to prove that we were for real, and to cope. When the shock wore off we decided to call the police. They asked a lot of questions on the phone to describe the location of the cabin and a description of the man who just almost crept up on us, totally unsuspecting and only revealed due to lightning and luck. Due to us being in such a remote area, the cops told us it'd take AT at least one or two hours for somebody to come out. They asked because of the weather and time, if it'd be alright if they send somebody out tomorrow, to talk to us about all the details. Given how the man saw that we were armed, he probably wouldn't come back again. We agreed. We discussed just jumping in the truck and leaving right now. But us dumbasses were too lazy to refuel the truck. The idea of doing this now, in the dark and in that heavy rain, was just too frightening. I kept thinking about this guy lurking in the darkness and picking us off one by one. We spend the night sleeping in shifts. One person was awake and standing guard, the others at least attempted to sleep. When my turn came the rain had died down. I turned off all the lights, opened a window, and just sat there in the darkness. Trying to listen for any sound I could hear, and looking out of the windows to scan the area.
Let me tell you, when you're sitting in the dark for hours in full alert mode, just trying sit still, listen and look around, you have a lot of time to think and reiterate what just happened. Close to the middle of the next day two cops arrived. We had to give them a detailed report of what happened, when it happened, and had to show them in which direction the raincoat shade ran off to. They said they will organize for a patrol to comb through the woods, but that might take a while because they need experienced outdoorsmen etc. Sadly we didn't see many details of the man's face. We couldn't tell if he was young or old, only that he was tall and clean-shaven. The chances of finding who exactly that was, and find out what the hell he was attempting to do, were very small. Though one of the officers expressed that this whole happening was deeply worrying. We left the cabin a few hours after the police left, and Canadian guy's dad insisted we stay at his place ATL East for a day until we feel safe again. He also wanted to hear every last detail and figured that the time has come to install cameras around the cabin. I don't remember this part for sure, but I believe that I heard later the dad and his brother went back to the cabin and just sat there in the dark, waiting for the raincoat man to return. But I never heard of any results so I guess he must have gone hunting in other areas. I never heard from them cops again. Next January I left Canada and returned home. My Canadian friend was called in for an interview a few months later. And it seemed like the police was still seriously investigating this, looking for the guy who crept up on a cabin during a thunderstorm. The image of that crouched raincoat figure, completely wet and surrounded by darkness, so close to our cabin, is burned into my mind. I will most likely never forget this. I still sometimes turn off all the lights and just look out the windows in silence trying to listen for sounds. Even though I am on the other side of the world now. We have speculated a lot about what that was. The winning theory is that this guy most certainly had sinister intentions. This did not look like just an attempt at burglary. Remember we had dim lights on, you could see that there was somebody inside the cabin. This guy was creeping towards us in a raincoat during a thunderstorm. When my friend yelled out that he saw somebody, this guy went from walking slash standing to crouching. And he went closer towards the window. I suspect the raincoat man wanted to check what kind of victim was on the menu. And I don't really want to imagine what he had in store if there were two unarmed girls there, in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. We didn't see any headlights passing the clearing the cabin was on. The guy also had no backpack or something. Just the raincoat and black weather appropriate clothing. I bet my soul that this guy was a man on a mission, who knew exactly what he was doing and what he was well prepared for. While writing this post, I also started thinking about the logistics of it all. The guy must have a camp or ATL East a car hidden somewhere in those woods. You can't sustain yourself out there otherwise. I also got the feeling that he either came upon the cabin during the storm itself. Or that he spotted us in the woods during the hunting we did before. We moved slowly, while also not being shy with waving our lights around. And in total pitch darkness wilderness, a proper flashlight must have been as easy to spot as the beacons of Gondor. So he might have tracked us through the woods until we reached the cabin. If anybody has heard about similar things happening in the area of British Columbia near Vancouver, please let me know. That mystery has a grip on me for the rest of my life. 
Sometimes I still dream of this raincoat figure creeping closer towards me with each flash of lightning. This happened to my roommate and I two years ago, when we drove into the national forest just outside of the town we live in. We go to a small college in New England, about three hours from any major city. For context, this forest has quite a few urban legends surrounding it, and the local community, although they do go there often, have a lot of superstitions about how to be safe while there. I had just broken up with my partner and my roommate could sense I was feeling down. Finals were just around the corner so she decided to help me get my mind of things, and suggested we go to a nice spot she had found last week, and just chill and de-stress. We took a couple of beers with us and drove to this secluded spot in the forest. From the moment we left the main asphalt road in the forest, I saw a couple of things that unsettled me. You could see the abandoned houses of a ghost town from the higher ground the road was on, and we saw this old doll hanging from a rope on a tree. Creepy shit, but we didn't really give it a second thought and kept driving. We got to a clearing and parked our car behind some trees, popped open the back of our SUV, and started just talking and playing music. About 10 minutes into this, two cars appeared from the road and parked in the clearing. My friend didn't pay them attention, instead she kept talking, but as I was facing them from where I sat, I couldn't stop seeing what they did. A guy popped out of each car, talked for a few minutes, and then I saw them take out a long object covered in a dark plastic bag from the back of one of the cars. This is when I noticed these guys had guns, and not like shotguns, which I see often in this town, but handguns. Then they started lighting the bag on fire. I told my friend to get down, and she turned around and saw them for the first time. Black smoke was rising from the bag, and between trying to keep my head down and steal glances at them I saw them take out a second object, and heard them shoot at it, right before they set it on fire. I don't know how long my friend and I were lying there in silence, but it was definitely enough to let the terror sink in and whisper to each other how much we loved each other in case this was what we thought it was. At some point I looked up, and saw that they were pointing at our car and saw them walking into the woods, maybe trying to follow our tracks or trying to look for us? All I know is that right then I told my friend to jump into the driver's seat and make a run for it. I shut the back door and between that and the car starting up the guys heard it and started running towards us, then ran towards one of their cars and hopped in. We went over a hill and driving way above what was safe for dirt roads on a hillside we lost them. We drove to a neighboring town and roamed around for a while, just to make sure no one was following us, before we went back to our dorm. That day, we tried to make fun of the whole situation and got really drunk before finally breaking down and crying from knowing we had seen something we were not supposed to. We were at first terrified of telling anyone, but eventually did tell officers on campus who contacted the police, but never found anything. My fiancé and I would ride our bikes at night on the local rails to Trail Greenway that spread from the center of the city all the way north to some lakes. It stretched about 12 miles. We never ran into anything suspicious or creepy until our last ride. 
The trail had parts that paralleled alongside a Revolutionary War battlefield which is next to a city cemetery. We would park our car at the neighboring apartment complex and just ride in the night. We had lights on the front and rear of our bikes and the path was pretty much illuminated minus some parts by the cemetery and by the lake. The last night we rode together by the cemetery it was a muggy and warm night. Even the wind was just uncomfortable but we dealt with it. When we got to the cemetery there was a certain point it just got cold. I mean deep in the skin cold. I felt as if someone was there with us. It was an unsettling feeling to say the least. Then after that long and frightful moment it went away and the air was warm and muggy again. I noticed my fiancé was pedaling very hard and had a frantic look on her face. We finally came to a lit up area and stopped. I asked her if she felt anything back there by the cemetery. She replied you felt that too? It was like someone was there with us and it was freezing cold. We then tried to chill out and not get too worked up about it. Both her and I have had similar experiences before with unexplained feelings and events. We continue to move on and finish the night ride by going to the lake and stopping by the spot that we frequent. This spot overlooks the lake by a bridge and has a bench to sit at. At night there is no one around and the wildlife is happily active. Beavers swimming, bats flying, fish jumping, etc. All illuminated by the moonlight. It's gorgeous. We ride out past the city and lights. It's only the moon and our bike lights. We get to our spot a little bit faster than usual, probably still pumped by the feeling at the cemetery earlier, and all of a sudden I have this dreadful feeling in my chest. It's something I know is bad. My instinct slash guardian angels are telling me to leave. I keep telling my fiancé we need to leave but she keeps saying we should enjoy the view and the wildlife. I am trying to pay attention to the wildlife sounds but I just cannot shake this feeling. All of a sudden I noticed it got quiet. I mean deafening quiet. Not a sound was to be heard. I looked at my fiancé and said we need to leave. The feeling in my chest was getting worse and was almost getting panic why? I am a very laid-back person and my job deals with high-stress situations so I am used to chaos but this was different. Then on the opposite bank about 40-50 feet from us only separated by a path and a few trees, we heard walking. I know it was bipedal by the sound of the steps. I looked in the direction but it was like a dark haze and could not see anything. The sky was clear that night and the moon illuminated everything. The moon could not light this area up. I grabbed my fiancé and told her we were leaving as the footsteps continued to be working their way towards the path. She had the same frantic look as earlier in the cemetery. We put our helmets on and jumped on the bikes and took off. I have never gone that fast before on a bike. We were on high gear pushing harder and harder just to escape that spot. We both never looked behind us until we finally got to a neighborhood that was well lit and we slowed down. She turned to me and said, I'm sorry. I had a bad feeling as well but I did not want to say anything in case I freaked you out. I learned to listen to my gut. It has gotten me out of a lot of trouble in the past and would have gotten me out of a lot more if I had just listened to it. I did not ignore it that time and will not ever again. We did not want to find out what that was back there in the dark. That was the last night ride we ever did.
I was the last worker at a camp up in Alaska about seven years ago. I was in charge of making sure all the equipment was locked up and the machinery was turned off before sunset. I checked and rechecked everything before signing off on the paperwork and turned the last switch off to head for the helicopter. I was so looking forward to a big rest and going home to grandma's cooking. I got a really strange feeling just before I pulled down the main lever to shut off the power. I felt watched and like someone or something didn't want me to. I was totally all alone. I heard this loud tick, 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 but didn't see anything. Then there was a loud bang. Again there was nobody around. I thought maybe one of the guys stayed behind to scare me. I called out and nobody answered. I said, okay, you got me. Let's go home now. Still nothing, not a sound. I put my hand on the lever and there was a thump. Something was messing with me. I called out again, but nothing answered. I pulled the lever and everything went quiet, with no generator buzzing or humming. I walked out to the helicopter and heard grinding footfalls behind me. I looked back and didn't see anything, but I felt I wasn't alone. I kept going to the copter garage and those steps came up again. I heard ticks and a grunt. Gruff. Like something blew out of its big nose. I wanted to look, but I wanted to leave more. I wish someone were there with me, even a dog or something. This was the first time I felt afraid to be alone, and I have camped deep in the wilderness since I was 18. It was quiet except for my footsteps, then it cut the air. A loud moan wailing yell that echoed like I never heard before. It's like it surrounded me and trailed off toward the trees. I took off in a full sprint to the copter garage. I didn't look back or around, I just wanted to leave so bad. I fell to the ground and got up. This loud crack came from the building. I got the garage door lock open, jumped in the copter, and started her up. The roof lifted and I was so relieved to sail up. I did a circle to gain altitude and looked down. I saw this tall, white giant figure looking up at me. It was over 10 feet tall and wide. It raised its giant arms up like it was going to stretch up and grab at the copter. I froze and couldn't take my eyes off it, but looking at it terrified me. It let out this loud, strange metallic moan that I could hear over the blades. I rose higher and didn't look back. I didn't return to that job the next season.